morning. Uh, welcome, man. I haven't done this in a while. Okay. I <laughs> 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 just come on, When you talk, so you don't even say good morning to people. You I just straight to business. No, I, I have to recorded. check you all the time. <laughs> oh man, no! I, I was literally unpacking my equipment because, like, I packed them like from pod break in Chicago. Like, they're exactly in the same <laughs> format. I had some episodes in the bank that I've been posting, but it's like the first episode that I'm actually recording in maybe a month or something, but. Oh my God. Um, yeah. I mean, welcome to another edition of the Culture Class Podcast, a podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. Uh, my name is No Sayari, and I'm your host today. Today, I have a sister. Uh, I think I can, I can call her a sister at this point. Um, Nancy came into my life, uh, you know, a little over a month ago, maybe a, a month or two months ago. And it's been very interesting so far. Uh, Nancy is a podcaster. Uh, she's a banker. Nancy is from Zambia and she's living in New York. Uh, so we're going to discuss that whole dynamic about being an African in America, an African in New York, that type of thing. But before we do that, like, how was your weekend, Nancy? How's it going? Oh, it was so good. Yesterday, I intentionally took a break from everything, no social media no nothing i just took the kids to the beach it was so beautiful and it was like a perfect day for a beach day whenever i hear someone mention beach i get so jealous because that's the one thing colorado doesn't have a beach <laughs> colorado is pretty much a a landlocked state <laughs> like we have all the mountains we have good lakes i guess you know we have large lakes but we don't have like actual beaches so that's one thing that I guess I miss from living on the East Coast. Not like I go to the beach every day, but just knowing it's there and you can go. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, up there. Yeah, but, um, no, it, it, it's warm now. It's summertime and it's, it's just beautiful. When you have kids, I don't, maybe I wouldn't care for it too much if I was just by myself. With kids, it's more fun. They, they, they give me my younger vision of me. I live through them. So going nice. to the beach is like so much fun and seeing them, you know, act their age is just beautiful. Nice, nice. And I mean, speaking of a younger version of you, maybe we can just jump into the interview. Like, um, maybe we can address this, like being an African in Africa, if that makes sense. Um, this is predating you coming to the U.S., right? So you are Zambian. Tell me a little bit about what it was like for you, like growing up in Zambia. Did, did you go to the beaches a lot? How was it like living as an African in Africa? So I share the, the thing with you with uh, Colorado. We are a landlocked country. Ah. <laughs> so there's no beach, nothing. But when I was younger, um, we have, during our rainy season, it starts around um, December, like towards the end of December, January, February, March, April, it ends. Uh, we have our our plains, which is like flatlands. And when it rains, it like floods up. You literally have to use the boat, a canoe to go by. So when oh, wow. it, the Everyone plains does were, this? Um, this is like in Western province. That's where mm. I used to live in Mongu. And um, it's different areas of the country where they have this. So, but in Mongu, we have this and every rainy season, it floods up and um, would go to the water. We'll go swimming. Um, I felt comfortable to go um, swimming. I don't know how to swim still, but 
I felt comfortable going in the water because this water didn't have like crocodiles or anything that I needed to be scared of. Wait, 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 men... wait, 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 wait. So typically like most <laughs> streams out there like had crocs and stuff. The biggest river that we have is the Zambezi River falls into our Victoria Falls. So the Zambezi River has everything. Talk about crocodiles, uh, hippos, they are in there. So you could swim at your own risk. Right. I'm sure there's a part of the river where the crocodiles knew that over time that was a human's portion and another part where yes. it was like the crocodile portion or something. But still, they it doesn't mean that they stay away. So you uh, go I see. Once risk. in a while, they come get a snack or something. Yes. So <laughs> a lot of people die. You know, you, you become a snack for them. And it depends like what season uh, also. Like are they, they, they eat flesh. So if they are starving, you become their dinner or breakfast. Their dinner. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you, you mentioned the Zambezi River. It just reminds me of like this thing we used to sing in, 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 in primary school back home. It was like rivers of Africa, Nile, Nanja, <laughs> Congo, Orange, Oripopo, Zambezi. Like Zambezi was always Oh, like, no. Yeah, it was like That's the largest cool. rivers in Africa. That was like our way of memorizing it. And that's kind of like also our way of like knowing other countries in Africa. So the teacher asked you, okay, where is the Nile? Where is the Niger? Where is, uh, you know, Orange? Where is, uh, you know, oh, wow. Zambezi, that type of thing. And, you know, where like countries that. they pass through, that type of thing. So it's pretty interesting getting to meet someone who actually swam in the Zambezi River and, you know, Victoria Falls, I, you hear about the Devil's Pool and all okay, that. So. Let's not say swam. <laughs> okay, you, you, you puddled. You <laughs> I literally would put my feet in. Got and it. Just, well, I, I'm, I'm a scary cat. I, I, I love my life, you know. Okay, let me ask you this question. If you could learn one of these skills um, before, you know, in your lifetime, um, swimming in a river or swimming in general being able to drive a train since you're in new york let's put that one there or being able to perform in front of ten thousand people which of those would you rather have mm. i like to perform in front oh, of oh ten thousand people <laughs> yes i like to perform is that something that came naturally to you because I was listening to a no. podcast you were on and you were talking about yourself dancing in circles every night when you were younger in the Zambia with your so was that something that oh being a performer and you were also an athlete in school like just being able to you know perform in front of people was that something that came naturally to you as a kid to be honest with you I like things that scare me I love things that scare me so I think performing in front of 10,000 people, that will give me so much anxiety, but I'll also go for it because I love challenges. Being an athlete, I think it's just that way in your life. It just becomes like, okay, no matter what it is, you just go for it, even though it scares the hell out of you. <laughs> right, right, right. That's, yeah, that's so, interesting you say that. Like you, you love things that scare you. I mean, I mean, living in New York, you must be close, right? Like you must be performing in front of at least a thousand people every day when you walk on the streets in New York. But I guess it's not sure. the same as for a sure. platform, for right? Sure. So, like, if I had to choose, I would choose uh, performing and also uh, being a podcaster scares me. That. A whole lot. You've been listened to, you know it already. We've been listened to 
all over the world. Mm-hmm. Your voice is being heard. Mm-hmm. You know how powerful that is? And it scares me because what I say matters and it's impacting somebody in some way. And then I have to be careful with what mm. I say. And uh, that scares me. So as long as I'm scared, I'll continue to do it. Once I start being scared, then I'll be like, ah, I'm done. <laughs> What's your biggest fear right now, if you could share? Uh, my biggest fear, huh? I don't know, really, like my biggest fear. I have anxiety with social media. Mm. I've never been a social media person. I love my private life, but I went through a separation and a lot of my family members were asking me to uh, create an account. So before Concrete Pastures, I was just in my own little bubble. And because of the job that I do, I like to be private. I don't want to say things that might you know, come off wrong. You know, when you type compared to talking, it's very different. And um, they asked me, they like, no, you should create blah, blah, blah. So I made a private social media account. Still, I rarely post. So one of my friends, my best friend actually told me, he's like, why don't you just do like, you know, stories? This way it just disappears if you're scared to, to post your stuff. I'm like, okay. So I started with that. But aside from that, once Concrete Press just came around, the fact that I had to create two accounts, uh, Facebook and Instagram, it was just a whole lot. Like me thinking, how am I going to manage the two? I have two little kids. That, I think that's what scares me a lot, like managing that. But I have somebody who manages Concrete concrete, concrete Pastures for me. But it's just, it's still a lot because I have to approve things. But the trust that we have for one another, I can close my eyes and just go like, nice. do, you, do your thing. Um, so I'm getting over that. I'm, that's what I'm working on, actually. I'm working over, like, don't overthink, don't right. stress over things that you have no control. People are always going to do whatever they want. I have no exactly. control over what people think. And, you know, yeah. You know, that's what interesting for you, of you to say, um, you know, Somewhere, somewhere, a Gen Z is listening to this episode and Alan's like, what? <laughs> but I totally understand. Like, I've trended for the wrong reasons on Twitter before. And that wasn't fun. Like, I'm not going to say why. I don't want to get that trend up and going again. Maybe I'll even edit this part out of the episode. But it was a very interesting trend in 2019. And uh, yeah, um, right now, if you go to like Instagram and stuff, like half the stuff I post is is basically about work or podcasts. And I throw some personal stuff in there because, you know, mm. you know, the times we live in, but I totally understand, you know, that fear. But, you know, circling back to, you know, giving a sense of Nancy, Cece, growing up in, in Zambia, uh, Southern Africa, I've been in Africa in living in like Southern Africa, like I'm from West Africa, right? Nigeria. And let me ask you this. Sometimes we tend to group, you know, all those countries like, you know, Zambia, Lesotho, South Africa, and just like group everything in South Africa. And like the South African economy is affecting, you know, Botswana and all the countries like nearby. Growing up in Zambia, how much of the effect from South Africa did you feel in the country of Zambia as far as, you know, culture, you know, business and economy? Like, were, were you guys going to South Africa many a time? 
um, when you were younger for a couple of things? Did you have South African products flooding like, you know, the Zambian supermarket? Um, was it common to, to marry a South African as a Zambian when you were growing up? Things like that. So I don't know if you've heard uh, a lot of my personal stories on concrete pastures. So I come from a, a home that was full of business. My mom is a businesswoman. She traveled all around. And South Africa was one of them. Zimbabwe was like a second home almost, but South Africa is also like a second home also. So yes, we did have lots of uh, South African products. We watched South African TV. Hey, so good. <laughs> <laughs> so many nice shows coming from L- South did Africa. Do you watch Leon Schuster growing up? That's the only person I know on South African TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, it, it, it was so good though. It, it was, for me, it became like the American of Africa mm. for me. And um, when my mom um, fast forwarding, which used to bring a lot of products and then fast forwarding later, I got to travel to South Africa. I understood why my mom loved going there. It was more developed than Zambia uh, night and day, really. And a lot of Zambians did travel there. It was actually more prestigious. If you went to South Africa, you tell people I'm going to South Africa. It's just like, oh my God. Oh, really? How how did you go there? Did you fly? Did you guys drive? No, you, you would, I took a bus. My mom used to fly, you know, she was the boss. So for me, she paid a bus. <laughs> thing for me. <laughs> so um, the bus, if you, let's say you take it at three, you get there at three the next day. So ah, 24 hours, you guys get yes. to stop over somewhere. Take so you stop in Zimbabwe, you stop, um, there's a, uh, an area where they, they used to stop, I'm forgetting, I think uh, St. Petersburg or something, uh, I believe. And then you get to Johannesburg. Uh, it was so cool. I actually loved the bus rides compared to flying, because I've, I've flown now, but um, fly, uh, taking the bus trip was actually great. I got to see the countries that way, and I got to appreciate South Africa getting in, looking at the structure, the infrastructure that they have is oh, the roads, no potholes compared to, to Zambia. Um, I mean, of course, I'm sure the people who live there, they have areas where they probably look like Zambia, where we have our poverty areas. But um, the ones that I got to see, Johannesburg, was really great. Really, really good. Yeah, you, you went straight for the, the golden child, like Joburg. That's <laughs> like the Yes, I like went to Joburg. Mainstay, but I can imagine yes. like I, I had my first KFC there. Oh, they what's the fast foods in Zambia? So Hungry Lion, this is my favorite food. Oh my god. That's Hungry Lion. The Maybe they should have food. named that like Hungry Crocodile just because of the Zambia. <laughs> <laughs> just a hungry croc. <laughs> What they serve you. in Hungry Lion, like burgers <laughs> yes, and stuff? for sure, for sure. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, it, the, the fries, the French fries that they have, the fries, I don't know what, what's in there. It's like crack. Yeah. You, you just keep eating. They have spice in it. It's, a, it's South African, but oh, my God. And then we have Nando's, which I've tried uh, Nando's, here. Yeah, when I went to Washington, D.C., 
uh, I tried it. Chicago, I tried it. It's night and day. It's not the same. But yeah, most it's- of the brands here are, you know, quite different from the brands. Even ShopRite, I think they have ShopRite here in the U.S., but it's yeah. like night and day, like what's mm-hmm. in, in South Africa. And, you know, you're talking about growing up and, and doing, you know, that fast food. We used to have something called Mr. Biggs in Nigeria. That was the OG fast food before, you know, KFC <laughs> and Chicken Republic and all these guys came through. Um, Mr. Biggs was like, uh, I think it was like Uni, uh, Unilever eventually was acquired by Unilever, but that was like the OG, like their beef patties, their meat pies and stuff like used to be great. Like if your dad is telling you that, Hey, we're going to Mr. Biggs today. That was like, you know, you feel top of the world and everything. So, um, let okay. me add to that. The fast foods that we actually have, the local ones are one of the best. Like you go to the market, market inside the market. It's more like a meal. It's not really like fast food. There's meat cooking. You get hungry just passing by. You know, you'll be going to buy like something and you're passing by. It's just, oh my God. Yeah, the like food. a buka, right? <laughs> yes. So it's the, the, there's meat fr- on the braai and there's uh, you can have rice. You can have ishima, which is like the cornmeal. Uh, they had porridge that we eat. That's like our staple food. And uh, Sushima, really- you call it? Yes, we call it Shima. I guess you guys Shima. call it Shima. Okay. Yeah. What 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 does that consist of? Is it like uh, it's wheat? Just, uh, yams? It, it, no, cornmeal. Cornmeal. It's uh, hard porridge. Yes. So we cook it like um, until it's hard enough for us to eat with our hands, and it's almost similar to fufu. Can you find that here in the states or no? Yes, I eat it myself. I make it home. So when you're in New York, um, uh, I'll you. Yeah, I guess you can find everything in New York. New York is more central, so everything like comes through there and everything. But um, let me ask you this. Is there anything you took for granted, like being an African in Africa? Like you just talked about how, you know, obviously maybe the Nando's in Zambia was, you know, you thought that was how the Nando's was everywhere. But when you tried it in Chicago, it was like night and day. Like what are some of the major things you took for granted as an African live growing up in Africa that it took you leaving Africa to kind of like realize that, oh, wow, like we had it good on this end or that end? I would say like, so I'll give you an example. 2012, I went back home for the first time since I'd been here. So I went back home and um, I literally then appreciated being African, being uh, Zambian, because of what I was seeing, I was just like, oh my God, I never even went to the Victoria Falls when I was here at all. I literally went back as a tourist. And I think it was taking time to take in what we have in our country. Mm. I never, I took advantage of that. I just like, it's always going to be here. Just like people here that they don't go to, let's say, uh, they don't travel. They're like, mm-hmm. why would I? travel to other countries or they don't do um or they don't go to such of liberty i'll tell you that people live in new york they don't go see such of liberty they don't go Facts. to Empress, they, they, they don't do all of these things and it was the same for me because i was here getting surprised like, you've been to such of liberty oh my god and then i go <laughs> home i'm in the same boat we're right. saying oh my god i never went to see the victoria falls i never I like I'd been to Livingstone before, but while I was there, I um, 
I didn't, I didn't take advantage of what we had in our country. I had been on a boat cruise on the Zambezi River, which is something that I remember is one of my favorite memories. My uncle was so awesome uh, that he would take us on uh, those type of cruises with my sisters. But in terms of like seeing my country, how beautiful my country was, I should have, you know, taken advantage of that and really taken in my country and what it has to offer. Now I appreciate it. We, it has a lot to offer um, all around. And um, I actually, it opened, when going to Africa also opened up my mind to those things as well. You know what? That's a very interesting topic. And I, I can relate to that a little bit. Like Africans, tend not to know what they have. Like I can relate to that story a little bit. My mom was born, I was born in fact, in a city called Port Harcourt, uh, where Bernabo is from, like Southern Nigeria. My dad was in the military, so he was stationed down in that part. Um, I'm not from there, but I was just born there because my dad was stationed there when I was in the military. And it's an oil rich, rich town, right? So all the companies, Shell and Chevron and all the BP, they're all there. So we have a lot of expatriates in Port Harcourt. So um, Mm -hmm. growing up and even later in life, we also have like a huge Lebanese community in Nigeria, a huge Indian community in, say, Lagos and the Western Nigeria uh, doing business. Once in a while, I always get to see or interact with like a Lebanese man or a white expatriate or something. And they'll say, man, Nigeria is flooded with gold, with milk and honey. Like you guys have it good. There's gold on the street. You can come here and make money. And I never really understood what they saw in our country. I was like, mm-hmm. you're from Lebanon, you're from India, you're from Russia, wherever you come here, you work, they live in the best part of towns, they work and they start businesses, multi-generational businesses. There are yes. a group of Indians and Nigerians in Nigeria that almost classify themselves Nigerian because their great-grandfather came to Nigeria, grandfather, father, and not them, like four generations. So they, they grew up there and everything. And uh, I never understood till I went to Ghana, right? So in 2018, uh, I went to Ghana for three months. Uh, I went there on uh, a job, like a three-month consulting. And it was like with a group of like other nationals and whatnot. So we're all treated like expatriates pretty much. And that was the Mm. first time (laughs) I realized that there are two different Africas. Like when I was in Ghana for that three (laughs) months, it was a totally different experience. And I knew that there is no way in hell, like the locals, like living in Ghana will get to experience that same thing. Like it was just different. It was like your own little bubble and ecosystem. And I could see why, like if I Mm. was an expatriate for a long term, how I could build a business there and connect with the expatriate community and make a whole lot of money. I mean, myself being African as well, like, but it just goes to show that sometimes like Africa has a a continent blessed with a lot of like mineral resources, human capital, you know, abundant talent, a very young population, but I don't know if it's the leaders or the leaders come from the people. Like we don't tend to see what we have. It takes someone else recognizing that value before the locals assign a value to that thing so yes for sure i guess that's why people like yourself i don't know what your long-term plans are but maybe more and more of people like us need to go back uh, to the continent and not go back with a savior mentality that hey i'm coming to bring all this technology from the west or develop you or give you guys a job or hey i'm coming to learn and contribute my quarter to see my country be better you know that type of thing no, for sure. You, you have to be able to um, 
work with the people that are already on the ground. They know better. You only contributing from the skills that you've learned, the resources that you've learned, and they, they know they've been there almost all of their lives. So you can go there and say, this is what I know, and you guys need to follow this. This, no, there's no way. I plan to go, but I try, I plan to settle in South Africa. That's my, my goal. I love South Africa. I don't know why, but it just connects to me in a way that I connected here in New York and the States. Interesting. Where in South Africa do you think you're going to settle in? Cape Town. I've never been, but I want to be in Cape Town. Compared to Josie, Cape Town. Okay. Okay. I respect it. I respect yes. it. I, I, I thought I was going to be in Santon, um, South Africa. I, I, Isn't that I, the expensive the area, area of South Africa, Santon? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a posh area. I love it. <laughs> that's a posh area, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pretoria, that's where my There's Pretoria, there's uh, uh, Santon, and uh, why not? Why not? No, okay, you, you inherited that bouginess from your mom. I see you. I see what <laughs> Yes, I, I'm not even ashamed. I have no uh, shame. The girl hey, is bougie. It's hey, fine. You work, you work hard, man. So you, you deserve to live the life that you want to. Um, okay, so we've touched a little bit of being African in Africa, right? So let, let me touch a little bit about being African in America, right? Um, mm. and you got your visa. You, you stay in Zambia for a year. Um, mm -hmm. you, your mom was, was a little sick back then. And then you eventually came to the U.S. You, you did your research. <laughs> <laughs> you eventually came to the U.S. Now... What was your first impression being an African landing in America for the first time? First of all, I was disappointed. My expectation level was very, very high. Wait, wait, wait. First, first things first, where did you land? Just to, for context. JFK. You were disappointed in JFK? No way. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> Guys, you should see the sarcasm coming out of him. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, so when I got to JFK, I was expecting, you know, red carpet and, you know, all of these lights, no, flashy lights, because coming from uh, Johannesburg, again, for my South African people, you know, it, it was beyond, it, it looked really nice. And I was expecting a step higher than where I was coming from. I came via South African airline and the, it was beautiful. Coming to JFK, there's like nothing. I mean, it's since 2002, it's been like, you know, renovated. There's, it's much better looking now compared to 2002 when I came. And um, from there, I went straight to the Bronx. Even when I got to the Bronx, you could tell, honestly, that this is where the immigrants live. I was expecting for it to look like almost like Manhattan. If you've been in Manhattan, it looks posh. There's a lot of areas where the buildings look like what we see on TV. And mm -hmm. I was expecting that to be everywhere. Um, again, you know, mind. Isn't the Bronx getting TV. gentrified now? Is that Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Oh, okay, Brooklyn. Okay. And some and some parts of the Bronx, to be honest with you, they are. They're nicer parts of the Bronx, just like anything uh, anywhere in the world. There's nicer parts, and there's also parts where they, they have opportunities and they need improvement. <laughs> so the one, the area where I was going, 
it needed improvement, okay? And when I got there, I was just very disappointed. I'm one of those people who always lived in a house. I was looking forward to living in the flat. And when I got to the flat, I was just like, oh my God, this is it. <laughs> not that I was not grateful, but it's just, I expected more being that this was America. But you mm -hmm. could tell already, like our building, it was all like uh, people from Zambia actually were living mm -hmm. in that building. So you could you could tell it, it, it was not fancy enough. Like if you go away from the Bronx to New Jersey, they have communities, get right. it communities. And this is just a whole building, nothing. No amenities, no nothing. You know what? Like those experiences can help in the long run because the way your first impression of something can also help you get grounded depending on your goal, right? Like I, like most people, came to the U.S. for, you know, economic opportunity, things like that. And I had a similar experience. I flew through Casablanca on Moroccan Airlines or Royal Air Moroccan, landed in JFK as well, 2 a.m. in the morning. And I was like, and I was trying to take the subway to Port Authority because um, I didn't have enough money you to... You even tried to get... Thank you, at 2 a.m. <laughs> First time in the U.S. Dang. at 2 a.m. And going to Port, Port Authority respect, from JFK. Respect, man, respect. I think I needed to switch at Jamaica Queens at 2 a.m. And I just asked like an airport personnel, okay, this is what Google Maps is telling me. I need to switch to Jamaica Queens. He was like, at 2 a.m. first time in, in New York? Like, nah. <laughs> like, like, go past Jamaica Queens station, like stop two stations over, climb up the platform to the street, and then walk back to Port Authority or something like that. Like, I can't remember the specifics. So that was like kind of like the direction and the introduction. And like from Port Authority, I took a Greyhound bus, like almost 20 hour Greyhound bus uh, from New York to Chicago where my brother lived. Cause that was the only way I couldn't afford a Lagos to Chicago flight. It was cheaper to land in New York and take a Greyhound bus from New York to Chicago. But that experience just kind of like being on the Greyhound bus, wow. seeing all those small towns, <laughs> driving through the US, that's like my, first two days in the u.s that was the airport and the greyhound wow. bus so that that kind of like grounded me to say okay there are opportunities but also like all that glitters isn't gold there's there's real life out here and this is what is attainable and they actually like painted that picture for me um mm. but speaking about your experience that what was your first experience with working in the u.s though okay you're an african here now uh, most people who come here from Africa, you know, depending on if you come for school or not, you know, tend to do jobs like, you know, driving a cab, working at McDonald's, being a nanny. Like, yeah. what was that experience for you? Um, my experience was tough. My first job was being a nanny and a housekeeper at the same time. I was taking care of five kids. My schedule was nuts. It, it was crazy. It was like 6 a.m., 12 a.m. Because I came straight from um, high school, oh, okay. graduated high school, and I was ready to, you know, start my life. But I came here thinking life was going to be much easier to make money. Um, but I had the plan of I want to go to school and work at the same time. But I didn't realize that the work portion of it was going to be very challenging. For me, navigating that, like, I wish I did research first of all, and I wish people were more transparent with me, telling me how difficult it was here. They, we never believe it when we're back home and, and people tell you it's not all roses. Like, I don't know about Zambia, but in Nigeria, whenever you tell people back home, 
I was guilty of this when I was back home. When people would tell me it's not all roses, I'll say, oh, no, you, you're just a hater. You don't want me to come over. And now it's the same thing when I tell people back home, oh, be ready. This is what you might do. Oh, you're just a hater. Why are you trying to discourage me <laughs> type of thing? It, it's the truth. And that's the reason why I wanted to create Concrete Pastures, because these are real stories of people. I wish we, I had something like this. This way, at least, even if I don't believe to, to a certain point, I can go back and say, oh my God, Nancy did say this. Nancy did mention this. Because then it's not so shocking. I was very shocked when I, when the first night I got to the house. The house was a mansion. And cleaning that, it was, it was just me. And I don't know if you, you, are, you know about- You five kids and a mansion. Yes. On and what? You said six to 12. Skinny. So that's like what? 18 hour shifts or something? Somewhat, yes. And wow. I, I would clean and feed the kids because three of them went to school, two of them stayed with me. So I would be cleaning and watching the six-month-old and the two-year-old. Six months old. Wow. Yes. So it, it was just a whole lot of... <laughs> it, was, it was shocking. Like I was questioning my decisions as to why am I here? Uh, my mom at the time was doing amazing. Like her business was at, at, at her peak. She was at her peak, I would say at that time. Mm-hmm. And she would call me. You know, there's something about parents. They know that there's something wrong that's happening with their child. And for me, growing up in boarding school, I've grown, I, I developed this masking thing like even if I'm in trouble I can max it very well but for parents they can tell no matter how much you mask it they can tell Mm -hmm. it in your voice they can tell it in their expressions if they are looking at you but my mom had known me uh regardless so she would call me she's like you know you always have that you know return ticket why don't you uh you can always come back home but I didn't want to be under my mom's success at all I wanted to have my own identity. If it meant suffering mm. in the beginning, I wanted to, and what got me was my aunt, my young sister was here. So I'm like, if she made it. And then when she started to tell me her stories, when I got here, that's when she started to share all of her challenges that she went through. Oh, we slept eight of us in one room. You would have to come early to like find a space to sleep in the, uh, in the house. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Because first of all, she made it sip so good. <laughs> and she'll be sending we back, back dollars, right? The exchange. Yes. Will be like, and she was back sending a lot of money. so much money. She, <laughs> right. she was sending money to her mother and she sent us clothes, which were like really uh, nice clothes. And I thought, I'm like, she's living her best life. And then I come, this, she, this was the time that she just got her apartment and she was sharing with someone. So it was three of us in one bedroom, on one bed. Uh, good thing when we we all, like, would sleep like oh, wait, one wait, day. Wait, 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 wait. Quick question. Like, you worked 18 hours. Are you telling me you didn't live on premises with the family? No, you I had- did. I wasn't living. Oh, but okay. I would go when, home. when you said the apartment, uh, I, I thought you had to come there every day. No, 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 no. I would oh. go home. Listen, I think it was just a waste of money to actually have an apartment. <laughs> That just housed my clothes. That, that's it. And I would go home Sunday morning to go so I can just take a break also, just to see a familiar face and to eat. Because I barely ate at all. 
Then the next morning, I have to go back. I was out for like a few hours on Sundays. And it was so far, I don't know, Long Island, all the way. That's why I was like in Long Island. But it was very shocking for me and what I was signing up for. Uh, but it grounded me. I, I learned a lot through that experience. In order for me to be who I am today, I needed to go through that journey to appreciate today. If I didn't go through that journey, I don't think I would be humble enough to appreciate today. Um, my the, the hard work that I had to put in, no matter how, I didn't want to wake up at six in the morning every single day, but mm. I woke up every uh, at six every single day. I showed up for those kids. I showed up for the family every single week. Well, you went to boarding school, right? Did that help at all during this? It did. Just... Well, boarding school helped a lot. Listen, <laughs> it played a vital uh, part in my decision to ha- come here and also to be able to have that type of structure. Mm. So waking up, I'm an early bird anyway. When I was going to college, I would wake up at four in the morning to study. So it's nothing. Um, Typical African of you. Very African. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man, whatever. <laughs> so it's um, it, it's good. for it, it played a good part for me to be able to wake up that early in the morning because the days that we didn't go to school, we went running, so we'd wake up five in the morning anyway. Like it's school day, but it's not. Right. <laughs> but 18 but, yeah. hours, man, that's crazy. How much were you being paid? Can you remember? Uh, $3.50 a week. 300 oh $350 a week okay yeah. so wait let me get my calculator out here real quick Eight, 18 hour days <laughs> you said six days a week right yeah six days a week six days a week so that's 108 hours man that's investment banking hours so <laughs> 350 divided by 108 yeah. that's like three dollars and two cents an hour yeah wow what yeah. was the minimum wage in 2002 who knows? That's probably um, I mean, less than what the minimum was in 2005, I think it was $5. I remember in New okay, York. Okay, so maybe right? close to minimum wage back then. Yeah, it was close to, to minimum wage. Um, but still, six days. Did the family treat you well? Uh, how's your interaction with them? Did you experience anything um, shocking? What was like the craziest thing uh, you experienced while you worked there? Uh, first of all, the shocking part was that she had five kids off the bat that was shocking because back home I remember they told us like in school if I remember correctly people don't come for me um they 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 were teaching us that in America they have like minimum of two kids and then when I came here it was just very shocking they were rich filthy rich like stupid money uh rich it was generational wealth is from the husband's mm. side. And you could tell like right away, it's like he was more calm because he grew up with money. The wife, this was new money. Mm. And I met her, I think at the stage in her life where she was trying to balance having five kids because she, the youngest one was six months, having five kids, managing herself, and then being able to manage this person that's new in her house and then her husband. So that was a lot. The husband to the mix. That's an extra child, huh? <laughs> yes. 
But the thing is, she was married at the end of the day. Uh, having been in a marriage and being able to juggle a job, my kids and uh, a husband, and then having to find time for myself, it's a lot. So she was going through a lot of stress and a lot of the stress that she was going through, it was coming out on me. She would yell a lot. And uh, the fact that I was new to the country, I was too immersed in my culture. Mm. I didn't know how to respond to a lot of the things that she would come yelling about. And we have a lot of respect. Like it's the biggest thing in my country, Facts. especially in my tribe. Facts. It's a lot. Like you give an adult water, you go down on one knee. If you don't do that, you get a smacking. You don't give people things with the left hand, all that good stuff. Yes. And that's so when she culture. would, yeah. she, when she would be talking, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm quiet because I'm giving her the respect. She's always expecting for me to respond to her mm -hmm. in a way that she's used to. And then what I was observing is she was fighting a lot with her husband. Her husband from me being an outsider, because a lot of people that work in your homes, people, they observe a lot, make right. a lot of Facts. <laughs> you guys make expert witnesses in the courts. Yes. So <laughs> she, I think she expected a certain type of treatment from her husband, and he was not giving her that. Ah, I and see. that treatment, because it was not working out for her marriage the way she wanted it to be. I mean, marriage is tough. So me being an outsider and having been married, I understand completely what she was going through. But then she was displacing her anger on somebody who did not deserve it. Ah, I see. So I, see. I don't Transferred. excuse her. Yeah, I don't excuse her behavior. So that was really like painful for me to also, I'm trying to adjust to her and her family. I'm a, trying to adjust to the new environment I'm in. So she didn't know what I was going through. Going through, yeah. Then I think being compassionate for people who in this space that are able to hire people and that they work in your homes. I think being compassionate to people that Facts. are working in your homes. Because you don't know, we are all human beings at the end of the day. And people tend to overlook the immigrant story. Like people, like if you land here today, like people, like the, the guy at the airport, like he took his time to explain the whole Port Authority, Jamaica Queen Station thing to me because he worked in the airport. He had seen a lot of immigrants like get lost and I've really understood that way. But a lot of people in the larger society, they don't tend to know how much of a struggle it is like for mm -hmm. immigrants. Like I always like to give two stories, right? Like one story is like, I was here for like a week or two weeks. I went to Burger King. I still didn't know the currency too well. Like I knew the notes, obviously, because you see them a dollar, twenty dollars. Forget about the coins. The coins. I, had I no had idea. To look like, oh, is this is this twenty? <laughs> is it a penny? Is it nickel? Why is it a nickel? Why not just call it? No, five cents. I, I didn't even want to deal with it. I was collecting the coins. Exactly. Like anytime somebody gave me change, I didn't want to deal with it until later when I actually learned what it was. Like this is a quarter, a dime, exactly. Nickel, penny. Yeah. And then I was like, okay. And retail would help with that. Like it'll help you get used yeah. to like the money and everything. But you go to Burger King and they told me, oh, my bill was like five dollars and thirteen cents. I'm new to the country. I don't have a credit card. I don't have a you know bank account. I'm moving with cash, right? So I'm trying to yeah. count the 13 cents and it was this like 12 13 year old boy you know teenagers work here in america you know and he was like getting a little like you know there are other customers like hurry up type thing and that african respect thing kicked into me i was like well, i'm i'm older than you man like i'm trying to you know sort this out why you talk to me that way <laughs> a whole bunch of things 
happening at once. But have you ever been in touch with that family like after your experience, like years later? Like when was the last time you reached out? When no. you were gone, you just you were gone. The, the thing is, I was done with her. Um, the way I left, um, it was so bad. I don't know if you heard the uh, my first job in America on the podcast. Two weeks after I decided to resign. Before I decided to resign, I did give her like uh, a notice. Mm-hmm. I told her I'm going to resign. And the first thing that came out of her mouth was like, oh, you know, we have a trip to um, Miami. You know about this already. Are you going to come with me? Because I need you to help me with my kids. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so this she, lady. You were rich, rich <laughs> with that tone. I can, I can picture it. Yeah, no, no, no. Filthy <laughs> rich. Okay. When you talk about money, that was money. Money. Uh, when you when you said that, I could just paraphrase like the way that came across from her. Like I can, I can yeah. really picture it. So right. it, every time they went on a trip, it was shopping for designers, not like cheap designers, expensive designers for her kids, for herself, mm-hmm. and all of that. So she she was like, "You're coming with us to Miami South." I was like, "Okay." I, I I had agreed to it already. Like I like to on to honor my word. If I give you my word, I'm coming through for that. Mm-hmm. So we went, um, but before we went, I reminded her, listen, this is my last two weeks and we were going to be out for two weeks. And that was my last two weeks. I said, this is my last two weeks that I'm going to be here. And she tells me, no, you never told me. She has, she pretends to have like amnesia. I hate those type of things. It acts me a lot. Then I understood at that point that she was taking advantage of me because I was young, new to the country. And she just literally just wants to disrespect me. I don't like that. Like, don't take advantage of me just because. I had to, at that point, I was like, okay, it's enough. You've taken advantage of me too much. You yell at me all the time. You scream like I'm your own child or something. Mm. This point, I don't, I was so angry. And my release at the time was just like bowling. It was the first time getting into a Bowling, like what, crying? Like crying, but okay. quietly. Okay. Um, so I we got into the limousine to the airport. We actually went to New Jersey, New York. And um, they are on our way. Like, seriously, I could have been in a broken down car. Like, I didn't even see the beauty of the limousine. First time in it, I, I looked. First time I got in, I sat all the way to the end so the kids could not see me. Uh, I kept my head down. I was so angry. And... I didn't want to say something that was disrespectful to her. I was very conscious of that. Like, mm. I don't want to disrespect her. Still, even in those in that moment that she made me so angry. I got to the airport. I was too angry. Did they fly first class? Of course. Did they put you in first class? Yeah, because I had oh, to be with did? the kids. Oh. I had to be with the kids. You know got she it, didn't want to be with her kids. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> especially the little ones like the six-month one and the two-year-old so we um we get to Miami two three days into the trip I revisit our conversation and I tell her I'm like listen this is my last two weeks I'm giving you I'm not going to work for you anymore I don't like the way you treat me um, you are the biggest reason why I want to leave I love your kids I, but I cannot continue to go on with you this way she tells me I'm not going to pay you. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I got so, uh, now she just like, upped my level. I was going to lose my mind. Mm. Like I was, 
like first of all i'm taking care of your kids every day we were at the pool in the cabana she would disappear with her husband of course as she should if she has help you know right so i was with the kids constantly at the pool and all of that it was this was actually a hotel it was in scarface one of uh, one of the hotels in miami where they had i didn't even the thing is i blocked my mind from seeing everything else. You didn't like get to beauty. enjoy the trip because of no, your infuriation. No, not at all. Mm. Yes. So I was so infuriated with, with everything that was happening. And I ended up blurting out to her. Like, slavery ended a long time ago. Wow. You would not, not pay me. And she, like, gasped, like, shocked. You're not paying <laughs> right. me for free. Exactly. I put in work. So exactly. you got to pay me. That's, and don't take advantage of me just because you feel like it. Yeah, this you, is not going know, to work. You know how it starts with immigrants? It starts with immigrants with like, oh, can I hire them? Like, do they speak good enough English? Do they understand the system to let me try them to, oh, they're really hardworking. Oh, they don't complain as much as American to, oh, yes. let me take advantage of them. Like, there's yeah. always that, you know, cycle. But by Beck's question, like, we have this experience as immigrants, right? And most of us would be here, like, I'm not married yet, but, you know, high possibility that I'll get married to the U.S. So you have kids in the U.S. Now, they're, we're producing these children that are second-generation immigrants that don't know that side. You know, your kids might end up growing up in Santon or in Long Island in a mansion somewhere, and they'll be taken care of by someone else. Like, how do we, as immigrants, get to imbibe that? culture and our kids you know the the extreme way that nigerian parents do it is that they just ship you off to boarding school for like four or five years and like they steal your passport and they don't talk to you and you end up hating your father for like 10 years uh but us coming here we still have a bit of that culture from home but how do we instill that to kids who are born here and you know who are still zambian american but you know how do we get them in touch with your zambian side on the african side so with my kids I'll speak for, for myself with my kids. Um, with my kids, being that I'm not in the community anymore, like my Zambian community, I'm getting back into it slowly but surely because of the podcast. We used to go to the embassy, uh, to the mission here in New York. And every time like, we would have infection, we would do that. But with my kids, I have YouTube that I have introduced them to, like the music, they love the music. Uh, my daughter, when she was very, very little, I used to sing to her like our, the songs that my mom used to sing to me as well. I'll tell her stories Aww. that my mom used to tell me. And, like, and you know, for, sorry, stories. for context, how old are your kids for context? Um, seven now, and uh, my son is two. Yeah, so when my daughter actually can Sing, can hum a little bit with what I used to sing to her when she was little, even that every now and then she'll, she'll ask for the songs, but this is like in our language and um, the stories that my mom, you know, our stories, bedtime stories are like forever. Every time it, you, you want to hear this, the stories, the tortoise was too slow and you know, the, <laughs> the rabbit went running faster and stuff. But um, yeah, um, so I, I used to tell her those type of stories as well. Um, YouTube has become my go-to. Um, my Masaka my, my kids, they love this. I guess they were really, literally just like dancing with me and my son. Uh, I want them to understand like the culture instead of just Zambia itself, like Africa as a whole. Like it's not only just 
Zambia. You gotta understand you're African as well as much as you are American, as much as you are Ukrainian as mm. well. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have my um, their grandparents here. So they speak Russian and they're able to understand and speak. I've tried to um, teach them my language slowly but surely. Um, it was overwhelming at first when we started to teach her. She was switching it between my ex and I at the time. So I had to stop mine because here she uses it a lot compared to my language, but I'm gonna go back to teaching them my language as well. So they understand. And, but, and what language is that in Zambia? Lozi. Lozi. Yeah, got it. Lozi tribe. That's interesting. So you're you're married to a, a Ukrainian gentleman? Yes. Okay. Before we get to that, let me ask you this. Like during this whole you coming to the US for the first time, like what was can you remember your first um, how will I put this? Can you remember the first person that moved to you as far as like dating wise? Like, how was that interaction? Like, uh, if you can remember <laughs> the first the first guy, like, how was that? I know in New York, like there are a lot of um, non-gentlemen, if I can put it, put it lightly. But what was that interaction? Like, was was he American? Was he from someone else? What was that interaction? How was that different from you being in boarding school and interacting with boys, that type of thing? Um, so I'll tell you this. When I got here, I had left my boyfriend back home. So he came over. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> yes. After six months. So he came over. Wow. Did he, Wait, did you guys plan this together or he was like coming, like chasing you and stuff? He decided later after I left. Because I didn't think he was going to come over. So when I left, I was just like depressed and I had left you know, someone that I loved, I cared about back home. And then um, I came six months later, he was like, uh, during that time that I was here, like six months, he was like, I'm going to get a visa, I'm going to come. I was like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> this was not Facebook or anything, like this was just like phone no, calls. No, this was phone calls on cards. Interesting. We, we stayed in touch. We were one of those people that can talk for hours and hours and hours. Oh, um, young love. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but once he came here, things didn't work out the way we wanted to, um, to. And we, you know, we broke up. And that's when I met my ex. But between that, I had, people did approach, uh, approach me. I would say um, it's very different, though, actually. When people approached, it's... I don't even know how to describe it. It's just very different dating in America. You live in the Bronx. Was there any cat calling like, hey, ma, what's going on, ma? Yes, it was one of those. <laughs> like I had my in those teams, ma. You know, I yes, <laughs> and I had teams, and I had teams. Because, yeah. you know, there's no here. It's, it's like, I don't know Yeah, teams. of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was cool, though. It was refreshing. I'll be honest, it was refreshing when... Uh, you hear the accent and they're just like, okay, I'm chopped. And you know, it, it was good. It, it was good. I, I, it's different for sure. They, the way people behave and how they talk, it's um, very different. A lot of people are just curious. That's one thing that I would say, like they're curious to date somebody who's African, mm. uh, to, I guess, to check in on their 
checklist or something <laughs> and <laughs> no I, I, your checklist <laughs> yeah so people that have dated i'm like a I, checklist of like 36 countries like okay zambia and south africa and nigeria <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, um, I, that i hated and even now when mm. i'm single there's people who like approach just like, oh, you're Zambian. I've never dated anybody from Africa. You know, mm. I'm just like, I'm not going to be your experiment. Even in New York, like, I'll imagine that's common in somewhere like Colorado, where I live, or, you know, in Europe, parts of Europe, Germany, and things like that. Like in New York, I like Africa have been there for years, right? No, or different cultures. Some people, different cultures, uh, mm -hmm. especially Europeans that live here, mm -hmm. they want to have that experience of, oh, are you from the islands because wow. some a lot of people that are not africans cannot tell uh where i'm from right away they guess i'm from the islands right away got it. i i told them no i'm from africa I was like, oh my god i've never dated anybody from africa i'm like mm -hmm. i'm got not it. gonna be your experiment got <laughs> it. okay that makes sense that makes sense so, wait, so when you say you, your boyfriend came after six months it didn't work out and immediately you met your ex-husband does that mean um you guys got married like maybe two, three years after you came to the States or something like that? We got married in 2007. It, it was some time. Like, my ex, we stayed for a long time also. I, I'm like a, a dater. I, I like to be with yeah. a purpose. What? I just don't like to date just to date because that's how uh, people mm. date here. Date with oh, purpose. we are friends. Yeah, I mean, we're, you're, we're you're African, right? So I don't know. Some people say African men have more chivalry. Some people say no. <laughs> some people say they prefer. Wait, some people, uh, African men have what? More chivalry. I'm just saying some people, some people say no. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, with the way you're smiling, you probably disagree with that statement. So <laughs> I'd I say. Mean, I, I, I'll, I'll play the field. Okay. I'll <laughs> okay okay but there must have been an interesting dynamic being married to someone from um ukraine and things like that um how was that like you getting to interact with his family him getting to interact with maybe your family i'm not sure if your mom eventually came to visit or something like that um it was good i i have no complaints to be honest with you right away like when i met his family to date uh, me and my sister were actually like college of sisters we are close as ever when you get into an interracial uh, relationship or marriage there's going to be differences of culture how you take things and how he takes things was different so you have to teach that person what is acceptable what's not acceptable um but looking at each other and being with each other as human beings i think it was the first thing that both of us acknowledged that we were in love and we treated each other as human beings we didn't see um i, would, I don't want to say we didn't see color but we accepted each other as just i guess when you're in love you just don't see anything you, nice. you really don't so it's just so it was different um, I immersed into his world a lot because I'm here by myself. Mm -hmm. So his friends became my friends, his family, they are my family still. And um, it, it was very easy for me. They, it, they're a very small family as well. They're a very small family. I come from a very big family. So when I took him home in 2012, 
he was welcomed like he was the prince. I just was not. <laughs> I, I was non-existent when I went. Why do our parents always do that? <laughs> yeah, I was non-existent. Everything was just uh, to him. Oh, you gotta do this. I'm just like, ah. Immigrant no. parents always do that. You know, I have a friend from Nepal. No, and- it was not even like my mom like that. My sister. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Immigrant families, they always do that. And it's not just Africans, right? Like I have a friend from Nepal and he was, you know, he's been trying to get me to come to Nepal and eventually I'll probably go there one of these years. But he was saying like, if you go back home, like my my family will probably for, forget I exist, and they'll just treat you like, <laughs> like, like this visitor, you know, <laughs> like important visitor. Yeah. They take care of you and all that stuff. But I guess no. But it's the same like thing here. Like when I whenever we had we had a lot of dinners with the uh, with the family, so I would go. They were courteous to me as well. Like every time I went, even though they've known me for all of these years, like they've known me 15 years, mm. they would still care to me. It's like, oh, what do you want? This is in their house still. Like they'll still care to me. So I have no complaints when it comes to that. Uh, you just have to be more open and accept what come with it. Uh, I was mostly the, the only black girl in, a lot, in our group. So I had to get used to that. At first, it was just like, oh, wow. And I noticed that uh, it's, not, it's not because somebody made me feel uncomfortable. A lot of some of his friends wanted me to speak Russian. And I was like, do you speak my language? So I was more also sometimes <laughs> defensive. I'm like, do you speak my language? Right. No, because you, you, you shouldn't push other people. Oh, to... they didn't want you to speak Russian in a friendly way? Like they were in, it was more like, why don't you speak Russian type of thing? One person in particular mm. uh, would constantly, like at first I was like, okay, maybe it's a joke, whatever. And mm-hmm. then I, if someone repeats themselves so many times, then it's just like, okay. So if you want me to respect your culture, your language, whatever, mm-hmm. why don't you ask me about my culture, my mm. language? Uh, don't make me feel like I'm less important. And you are more important than like who I am. Like I'm African. You want to mm. know about my me being African? Ask me. You want to know about my language? Ask me. I'm happy to teach you. But all the time, like most of the times, because they would speak Russian, and then um, they had to stop because I'm there. Someone will say, "Okay, speak English." Nancy's here, mm. and I'm like, oh, "Why don't you speak Russian?" So. You, you just have to be ready for, for those, for those um, type of things. Yeah. For those type of things that some people who's not going to, you know, accept completely like your culture as an African person or wherever you are from. But for me, I'm a tough cookie. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, I, I kind of can blend into any, uh, any culture and I'm, I'm okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that I makes can hold sense. my own. I guess that's the thing about being in love, right? Like your your partner doesn't operate in a in a vacuum. <laughs> like there are other things you have to deal with outside of where the lovey dovey in the house, uh, they interact yeah. with family and all those things. But okay, in light of that, like how do I teach me a little lozy then? Like how do I like if I'm if I'm chatting up someone, how do I say hi? You know, my name is Nosa. I think you're pretty. Uh, how are you doing today? Type of thing. How do I say I'm Lozi? Like, I, wait, Ooh. is Lozi spoken in Zimbabwe as well or just Zambia? It's Zambia. It's more close to, um, like, um, if I had to be in South Africa, I kind of understand 
when they speak, um, I don't know if it's Zulu or something. Like when someone says Akuna Matata, it means the same thing in my country. Ah, interesting. So I guess yeah, Zimbabwe like my, is more like Chichewa and uh, some other stuff in Zimbabwe. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. This, one, this, one, this one probably work, but let me learn it all the same. You never know. <laughs> so you want to know how to say hello and you're yeah. beautiful. Hey, hey, um, how are you? I think you're pretty. What's your name? Let's keep it simple. Let me oh let me get God. my pen. All right. <laughs> hello, Z. Hello. Let's start from there. Uh, first of all, you're asking someone who speaks very little of the language. I, okay. with me and my sisters mix English and our language. Unless we need to like gossip, then we <laughs> we speak our language. But let me try this, okay? Um, I'm, 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 I'm. So how are you? Um, so we have different ways on how we greet. Uh, older person, younger person. Younger. So Uchwani. Uchwani? Yes, Uchwani. With a U? Yes, Uchwani. Uchwani. Okay. Hey, don't be asking me about the spelling. That's my no, sister. No, I'm, not, I'm just writing. I'm just, <laughs> for, <laughs> just for pronunciation sake. Uchwani. Okay, there we go. Uchwani. Uyomunde. Uyomunde. Yes, that that's sound, that's That does sound a little, I don't want to say Afrikaans, but that sounds a little Zulu. A little. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, Uyomunde. Um, so I can actually understand when they are speaking. Oh. It's not like Sosa that has some of the clicks as well, right? I, we I don't have the clicks. Sosa. That's the only difference. We don't okay. have the clicks. They have the clicks. Um, what else did you ask? Uyomunde is so, I think you're pretty. Yes. Huh. That sounds like a direct. Okay. Uyomunde. Okay. That's what's your name? That's the last one. Or something, nah, or, no. or something else uh, that's uh, in the in the conversation of meeting someone for the first time, or you know, something something along no, those sir. lines. Why am I being tested on this? <laughs> hey, you're helping a brother out, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, I need these two. You've given me these two. Okay, Uchwani. So I meet you for the first time. I say Uchwani, and Uyomunde just means I think you're pretty, or you're pretty. Okay, I, I can remember those two. And then. Um, uh, so the thing is, how means your name, and then I'm missing the other part. I can't, for the life of me, I can't even pick the other part. Of, Wait, say uh, say your name. Just say that part. Libizo la how? Yes, Libizola how? All right, I got it. All right, this should work. This should work. Yeah. Good luck. I pray for you. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> oh man, man, I feel you, man. I feel you, man. I mean, obviously, like we can we can keep talking about like your immigrant ex experience can't be um you know shrunk into just an hour podcast or an hour and 15 minutes, but you know, obviously from those humble beginnings, you know, coming into the Bronx, uh, you never left the Bronx, by the way. Are you still you still live there? I live in Brooklyn. I okay, live in Brooklyn now. Okay. When I met my ex. Got it. Got it. And, you know, I'm sure my listeners will want me to ask this, not to get too personal. Feel free not to answer, but I got to ask it. Like, why did you guys break up? Um. So why did we break up? Oh, my God. It, it's a loaded question. As you will find out once you get married, a lot gets in the place. So I'll explain it this way. 
So as we're both immigrants, he came here when he was younger, I came here when I was a little bit older. I assumed, I'll talk about myself, because I've learned throughout my journey of healing, I had to look inside me to see what I brought to the table and what contributed to our breakup. Um, according to me, I would say um, I assumed, I took a lot of things for granted, mm. being that we were immigrants, my goal was go to work, make a living, provide for the family. That was his goal as well when we first met. But I'm, I'm more of hungry than I was, I think, at a higher level of wanting to achieve things than he wanted. But he was more family oriented. I need time with you. I need mm -hmm. time with the family. So our love language was at two different levels. I didn't really understand his love language because we were pulling each other apart constantly. I was, I thought I was doing the right thing by I'm going to go to work, work hard. And he understood how hard I worked hard. He appreciated that. But in the long run also, he wanted actually for me to be pull away from that after my hard work mm. uh, that I put in, he wanted me to pull away from that so we could spend time together. Mm. I don't want to live a mediocre life. And that's, I'm, I, I'm entitled to mm -hmm. a blessed uh, life. You that's deserve it. Yes. So, and that's what my goal was. And I didn't feel that that was appreciated in a way. So we were at two different, like after so many years together, right? you start to take advantage of, um, and the kids also came in play. When we got married, we were um, married for seven years, no kids. So we did whatever we wanted to do. We'd get up, mm -hmm. go to, let's go to Boston for lunch. We'd go to Boston for a day and come back. Uh, to New York, like we drive with those type of people. When the kids came in play, it was hard for me to balance the kids' career, marriage. And then I felt like I was giving so much of myself without really giving to me. And then on top of that, I don't think it was being appreciated because I was always asked to give more mm. when I couldn't give more. I was only able to give my 80% mm. and that 80% could be more than that. And was he I, trying to change you or was just trying to, well, I wouldn't say change, like, cause you, you know, like I've experienced a, a little something similar, like you're, you're one way. And sometimes it's hard to turn that off. You know, when it comes to the career side, to the personal side, there's some bits and pieces of you in that other side. Like I dated a girl once who always said, man, you Nigerians, like you guys are very, um, you know, like cunning in a way, like, you know, you always look for ways to get things done and, you know, things and yeah. things. And, yeah. you know, she, she didn't like that side of me per se, because I'll, I'll, that side of me will show up during the relationship. But when she was going to buy a car one time, she was like, oh man, you have to come with me to the dealership because I know you have what it takes to like get me a good deal. I was like, oh, so it's the same me, right? Like it's the same me you don't like on this side. Yes. And it's the same me who's giving you an advantage to buy a car on that side. So like, I'm the same person, like you gotta pick. Like, yes, I, I can't. You, you, you bring yeah. up a good point. I think um, some partners, they get to choose which parts they wanna love of you and like of you. Mm -hmm. But I wanted for me to be loved in all areas because I ex I'm a better person 
when I am supported in my in everything in my mm. whole career like I show up for my job and I'll show up for my marriage and my kids once I feel that support and um being able to be appreciated for what I bring to the table not that mm. he did not appreciate but it was picking and choosing and the fact that we were in the same career that also I think I assumed he would understand the struggle mm. of it and uh, for women especially getting into the finance world and getting promoted it, it, it's tough so when I got to the point where I felt like I arrived he hated my job because wow. I was being like yes I was um I was more out I would work weekends some people when they hire you go in the ranks they expect for you to do less what you have to understand is not in finance no <laughs> not in finance right. you have to earn that six figure they're giving you it's not for free Facts. if they're giving you six figures or whatever a salary they're giving you that title and whatever you have to you have to work harder than anybody else you're running a business on behalf of the organization it's Facts. your business you take ownership of that entrepreneurship exactly yes. and for me I, I i couldn't afford to fail i, I can't afford to fail and i have this thing i'm like okay and uh, him, um, him also being an immigrant knowing where he should also have maybe you should have you're right thinking this way that maybe he should have also known where you come from because you have you may have had like responsibilities back home, even though your mom was well off. Like he there are knew, people depending on me. Like I'm not just he here. Knew. Who I'm not American. Who you, you know the story? You were in the industry. He knew that story actually. He, hmm. I, I was very blessed to actually have him. Um, because some men would not be understanding, especially hmm. of a different race and a different culture, of why I would send money. I was taking care of my grandmother and my brothers. He contributed to that. He actually was like, oh, let's send the uh -huh. money. He was very giving. So I cannot take that away from him. I think um, there's so many things that broke us up. It's just one of the things that I'm sharing is part of it was my career and not spending time with my family in a way that he wanted. He was thinking of, you know, having it. But for me, showing up at work, showing up at home, and mm -hmm. uh, wanting to have a partner that's like, I guess, as a team. Right. That, that word, team. Right. Over, over the years, things changed. Before, it was not like that. But as you move up the ranks, people are not always going to change as you are evolving. That's that what I've sense. learned. That makes because sense. That goes with friends, colleagues, everyone, not just the romantic partners. And I totally understand. I, 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 I didn't see that. Like I expect that like, it was shocking for me until now that I was like, okay, he was not evolving at the same time that I was evolving. He was still looking for that girl because he mentioned it. I was looking for that girl that I met on the elevator. Oh, uh, 10 years oh, ago. Man. But how, how long were you guys married? We were married for 13 years 13. at the mm. time that we separated, but I'm still married, technically. <laughs> so it's 14 still. <laughs> oh, you're just separated. Oh, so, so all, all hope is not lost, right? Or, I mean, uh, you never know, like 1%, 2%, maybe a little, a little 
Tinder somewhere Negative. that could spark a flame? Nothing? Oh, oh, man. man you, we talked about our biggest fears at the beginning of the podcast. This is one of my biggest fears. Like, I'm like, man, this marriage thing, I don't know. Like, like you said, like, I'm so, like, I'm Nigerian. I'm, I'm all, all, all already disposed genetically to, like, <laughs> behave a certain way. Plus, I have, like, military background my dad was in the military i'm an immigrant on top of that i run a business like not a lot of ladies can handle all that like when i bring all that to the relationship there are good sides of it in that yeah. i keep my word i get shit done I, yeah. I treat them. but just me being in touch i'm just so hardened from being a nigerian entrepreneur all these things that me being in touch with that soft side nurturing side i need to give my partner is sometimes lacking and i keep asking myself what is the thing in marriage? They say, find someone who um, you guys connect on a lot of things, like someone who's like you. And, and on another side, they say I opposite thought, attracts. So which I, is, is I, it opposite attracting or is it finding someone so, similar? I don't know. I, I, I will tell you from experience. We're night and day, me and my ex. Night and day, I'm more calm. He's very like hype in your face. So mm. he balanced me out. And this is actually how my our kids are. My daughter is like me, calm, reserved. My son, <laughs> you met him. <laughs> Your two-year-old son. <laughs> My I, two-year-old I son. Yeah. Okay. He's a lot. So right. he, it's funny that they actually came out that way, like the same thing, like their parents, and they came right. out that way. But this is my, what you're saying, that's what I assumed. We, even though we, we were brought up differently, we had almost similar backgrounds. He came from humble beginnings. Same thing with me. He was living in the village before, like he would go to visit his family, uh, his grandparents in the village and stuff like that. We kind of had those similarities. And the fact that we were both immigrants, the fact that we were in finance, both of us, and we literally started as tellers. We met in training. Wow. So, yeah. So with that, I assumed there's certain things that they don't even have to be explained. Like you understand me that I'm here. We 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 need to live uh, a certain type of lifestyle. We've been in mm. this financial industry for a long time. We need to have a certain type of lifestyle, and he wanted that lifestyle, but it takes work. So some people mm. they want a certain lifestyle. Work. They want something easy. They want an easy way out. It doesn't work like that in life. And the assumption of me, um, so it's difficult for me. Actually, releasing an episode today, <laughs> you need to take a listen to it. I am struggling, okay, with this dating situation. Oh man! It's, it, no, it's because at first I was like, oh, we have all these similarities. He understands me, and then now I don't know where to go from there because people say you have to have all of these whatever uh, similarities. <laughs> now I've added to podcasting. Okay, aside from having a full-time job, I have two kids, and then I'm a podcaster. I don't know, like, who's going to be able to be able, uh, for me, to marry into all of this. Right. I just have to keep positive, I guess, in a way, as to, you know, whoever is going to come, whatever God has for me, uh, God has for me. I mean, it's the same thing you said about your partner, right? If you want a certain result you, you need to be able to be willing to work for i guess it's the same thing in dating right if you want to be in a certain type of relationship and everything you just got need to be able to work for it um i did pick out i mean not to belittle 
your experience. I know there are there are a lot of dynamics that come in marriage. I've never been married, so I can never speak to that. Um, there was there a lot of you use the word assumptions a lot, and I guess I can tie that to like communication and things like that. Like I guess For sure. being in a relationship, uh, there are assumptions on both sides, and you know communicating doesn't just mean talking right telling one person i think he or she understands that really drilling it down in the language they understand and making sure that they like like i said i never knew till i had that expert experience that oh this is why there's no way someone would have told me that in words that i could have understood so sometimes it takes something else but hey nancy like podcaster mom banker zambian woman new yorker Brooklynite, Bronx, bread, bro- Brooklyn bread. How do they say New York? Um, Brooklyn the, born, Bronx boroughs, raised, or something, boroughs. something like that. Yeah, the boroughs and everything. But boroughs. all around superwoman, Nancy, CC. Uh, hey. We can, you know, take this conversation uh, on and on. But I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I know you have your own podcast as well. I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity to plug that. Uh, but I just want to say first, uh, thank you so much for giving me time on your day off. <laughs> one day off, you're still working on the podcast, but uh, I appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's so fun. And it's an honor that you invited me. I appreciate you. Uh, so you've been so gracious to me. And um, through you, I've met so many people already. And uh, it's just great. It's great to to know people like you and to have such a community that you've created. Um, I'm just honored. I'm all around humbled to be in you know in the in the group with uh, all great creators. It's great. Most definitely. No, we're just trying to do what we can. And and if listeners don't know what she's talking about, she's talking about Podbreak, uh, which is a group of African podcasters and. Um, we're recording this in the middle of July. We were just coming back from Chicago where we had, you know, our first outing and, you know, maybe we're planning towards part B 2023, but yeah, uh, you want to talk about concrete pastures, where can people find you if they want to listen to this? So I I'm sure it's going to be a solo episode that you're going to drop today with all the, the gems and fire and name calling and <laughs> oh my <laughs> where, where God. Find you? <laughs> oh, how you find me guys. Uh, concrete pastures is a platform. It's a space for immigrants and dreamers, I decided to create this platform to share our stories along, uh, along with others. This way we can deconstruct the view of being an immigrant anywhere in the world. Concrete pastures, we unlock the laughs, the joys and the bravery that being an immigrant or a dreamer brings. So please check us out at concretepastures.com. We have all the content there. We have also a YouTube channel. We also have Facebook and Instagram. Check us out there, um, follow us. And um, there's so many stories there you can be inspired of. Uh, you can start by uh, including my own story. I share my story there today. Please check it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're going to be listening to that episode. <laughs> and in case listen, you I'm in the hard July 18th. In... Go to the episode on Concrete Passions posted on July 18th. <laughs> I'm in the hot seat. I'm about to post it after this. Um, oh, I'm man. in the hot seat. So it's the same thing. Like when you're talking to someone, uh, I was talking to my sister, Muma. She put me in the hot seat about dating. So that's why I was focusing on this dating situation. I am new to this space. 
So guys, have fun at my expense, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much. And, and Nancy does podcasting so well. Like, to be honest, like, if you listen to our episode, she has the intro. She has, like, she explains the summary. Like, she has the background. I'm like, man, like, I, I ain't do all that. <laughs> like, I'm just putting all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Listen, like, we all have our style. We all oh, have our man. style. And yeah. I, I love your style too. Um, I think as I pick up from everybody else what they're doing, like we, our group Pat Break is it's so many um people doing different things. And I listen to each person's podcast and I can pick out, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. Maybe I can do that, change it up and make it Nancy. I'll change it up, maybe, you know. So it's, I think having a diverse group like the way we have it is perfect. Even though yeah. we are all yeah. Africans and all yeah. different countries. I, yeah. I, I love it. We should have all of the 54 countries, you know. Yeah, I mean, hey, I mean, we never know, you know, where, where we really have plans for recruiting more podcasters this year. So hopefully we can get more and more people. But yeah, you guys can check out podbreak.org. Um, if you're interested in joining, if you're an African podcaster living in diaspora, I think we're about 2021 20, podcasts right now. Uh, we're growing every day. So check us out. Um, in the meantime, also has been Culture Class Podcast. Uh, check us out as well, cultureclasspodcast.com. Follow us on social media and send us an email. Uh, if you want us to connect you with Nancy, uh, if you, you want her to send you her six-page PDF or what she requires in a man, like, let us know who we'll forward that information to her. You are wrong. You are so bad. Six-page letter. That's a good man, okay? Be good. Oh, Be kind. Be loving. God-fearing. That's it. No six-page. Okay, okay. So be that's a human six being. lines, okay. not six page. Okay. Yes. Be a human being. Okay? Be a human. <laughs> Don't be an animal. <laughs> there are some humans that act like animals. Okay. Facts. Let's I, just agree. Be I agree. I agree. Okay. Just be a human being. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Hey, a lot of Nigerians listen to this podcast. Hopefully, hopefully you get the right ones. Oh but Lord. <laughs> I beg, uh, I beg. Oh man, did you just say I beg? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I see you. Okay, speaking that pigeon. Uh, well, oh, I do, that? I do. That's like my favorite word. I say. I beg, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My own favorite word is uyo uyo munde. All right, we'll use. I'll see how we can get an opportunity to use that in Colorado somewhere by some miracle. But uh, no problem. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nancy, again, for coming on the podcast uh, to our listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time, you guys be well. <laughs> <laughs>